Welcome to CMO Confidential, the podcast that takes you inside the drama, decisions, and choices that go with being the head of marketing. Hosted by five-time CMO, Mike Linton. Welcome, marketers, advertisers, and those who love them to Chief Marketing Officer Confidential. CMO Confidential is a program that takes you inside the drama, the decisions, the choices, and the politics that go with being the head of marketing at any company in what is one of the most scrutinized jobs in the executive suite. I'm Mike Linton, the former chief marketing officer of Best Buy, eBay, Farmers Insurance, and Ancestry.com, here today with my guest, Pat Mendelson. Pat is the creative director at RPA, a powerhouse agency in Los Angeles, and one of the few remaining truly independent agencies. Pat has been with the agency for, get this, 28 years, and has worked on numerous campaigns, including Honda, Apartments.com, Arco, Blue Cross, Intuit, just to name a few, and last but not least, Farmers Insurance. We Pat, if you want to do the jingle, go ahead. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Bum. <laughs> I, I was fortunate to work with Pat for eight years on Farmers, and welcome, Pat. Thank you. So today's topic, how your creative team really wants you to run an advertising copy meeting. And, and here's the setup. All brands have creative teams responsible for their go-to-market work that showcase the business and drive consumers to that business. The CMO is under immense pressure to deliver creative that drives sales today while sets up the brand over time. And all CMOs know that in addition to how the marketplace judge, judges their creative, the most aggressive viewers of their creative are often inside their company. And mistakes cost brands and CMOs, as we've seen recently by Balenciaga and a number of years ago when Nationwide ran a Super Bowl commercial about a boy that died from an accident. So there's a lot of pressure in this, this business and the creatives are on the receiving end of a lot of it. So they have usually limited time, multiple options, and sometimes an awful lot of people giving them advice. Pat, tell us how creatives approach the process and the client. Um, we uh, panic a lot and yep. worry. Our hands, run around the room. Yeah, we do. Um, you know, I think that creatives were naive in a lot of ways. Um, we deal, we're kind of like women after they give birth. They forget about the pain. So every time that we start working on something, we we get oddly naive. I mean, and we will go and think that whatever it is, this could be incredible. And this is what we're going to do. And even the most cynical, creative people have that other side. At least that's, that's what I've found. Have you found that, Mike? Like, there's we're game. <laughs> no, I, well, I think I think there's a lot of different classifications of creative, and I think they, when when we work together, I always appreciate that the creatives came to play, and we're always excited about the business. Um, but I think there's probably some some instances where the relationship isn't that great, and you know, clients are very different, and also CMOS are very different. Talk to us about how you might look at various clients um, or manage different situations, because sometimes the CMO has the key vote or the marketing department has the vote, and sometimes the company has the vote. How do you manage all those different voters? You know, it, that can be really difficult. 
um, when there are a lot of layers and they're not all in the room at the same time. I think it works best when everybody that has a stake is in the room at the same time. Um, that's, uh, yeah, that, that, that really helps. When people are more difficult, it's hard. You know, it can be really hard. And some people can be just um, downright mean-spirited um, about things like that because of the pressure. You know, that people react in different ways. But, um, yeah, I would say that a lot of it depends on the client. Hey, so what happens when someone's mean-spirited or under a lot of pressure? Like, how does that come out in a creative meeting? So you're presenting all this work. Sometimes you have multiple creative teams there. You got the client there. Tell me how mean-spirited shows up. And then, because what I want people to take away from this is, if you're in some of these meetings, you could be doing this. And yeah. how should you be aware of it? Or someone on your team could should be, should be doing it. Tell me how it shows up. How does mean-spirited show up? Um, different, some people are pretty subtle about it. Um, but I think there's, I'll, I'll give you a couple examples of, That'd be great. there are some clients who maybe there's, um, don't have confidence in what they do, but they have certain patterns that they'll follow. Like the first time that you present, they're not going to like anything. So you could have a room full of ideas that could be brilliant. And part of their whole approach, somebody told them that the second time that an agency comes into a meeting, they're going to have better work no matter what. And so they literally will kill everything no matter what. And you notice it over time um, that that is happening and that can be very soul crushing. And, and you did so that I think this is a super interesting point because that's just one pattern. My guess is you have a number of patterns that you see when you are managing a pattern like that, where they're going to shoot everything that comes in in meeting one. Do you manage the whole process differently? Yes. Tell me what you do. Um, start with a tissue session. Um, you know, uh, tissue session, if people aren't aware of what it is, it's very rough ideas. You know, it used to be. You put these um, kind of big pieces of they call tissue, the paper, on the wall, and uh, with things written out on them and, and images on them, things like that. And you, so it's really a brainstorming session. So if you have that first, you start to get everybody thinking about it and involved. It can really help. Okay. To any other patterns you want to share? Because the I shoot everything at the first meeting pattern is super interesting. Any other patterns you see? Yeah, there's another one that another client would always ask what the um, agency recommend was and never do it. When no I say kidding. Never. Because I always I always ask that. I thought you were going to slam me. Uh -uh. No, no. It's, it's a good um, thing. No, um, I believe that she thought, well, there must be some, some way they're trying to trick me if that's what they want to do. Um, so... And I worked long enough on it that we noticed it. And then we tried to come in um, once. And we, so when she asked, we said, you know, this time we just love them all. It's crazy. Like we <laughs> love them all. And you could see like just everything kind of stop. And then she was like, well, surely you have, you know, something you're leaning more toward that you like. 
No, no, it's crazy this time. We just, we, there's something about each of these that we really like. And, uh, yeah. Hey, hey, now, now, when you get in these situations where you see this pattern, you know this pattern, you realize you're changing your whole creative process to manage the pattern. Do you ever send the account execs or the head of the agency or somebody over to the CMO to say, this is really not the best use of everybody's time? Uh, yeah, it just depends on the relationship everybody has. If you can, you do that. You know, you don't want to kind of throw the client that you're working with all the time under the bus either because you're working with them. That's going to hurt you over time. But yeah, that's um, that's that's something that I've seen happen in the past. How about, talk to me about the process because uh, almost all companies that I've seen have a different process for approving creative and working it through the system. And like, so I'm sure that the creative team has their favorite processes and their least favorite processes. And also you have the ones where sometimes like other C-level executives come in at various times to vote. Tell me about the processes that you really like or the, and the ones that you hate. We'll go to the, you know, Hall of Fame of worst practices and best practices lineup. So just let it rip. Um, I thought that your process was probably the best that I've ever I worked love with. having you on the show, Pat. I thank you for coming. <laughs> well, but it's true. I mean, it's you um, you were there in the meeting and you would ask the creatives because you felt like we were the closest to it. You'd ask us, what are the trade-offs? What were you thinking? One of the biggest things is when you ask questions rather than then some people want to feel like they know things. I'm important. I better have a point of view. And it's it's sometimes things, you know, things are flexible. Yeah, we could change that. We won't change that. Why did we do this? Well, because if we do this, then this happens. There are a lot of reasons why asking those questions was, I think, very astute and it really helped the process. What got I mean, I'll ask you a question. When did you start doing that, kind of asking the creatives like that? Uh, for me, that was when I, I, I had an inside agency at Best Buy. And I got to see them all day. And I, I got to hang out with the creatives. And, and my whole thing is, you want the creatives to be part of the whole business, not just the creative side. And so if, if you want them to understand the trade-offs they're making in the creative, you also want them to understand the business. And that just seemed to work. And, you know, they produced, I, I think, fabulous work, just like you guys did. Um, but then I also, when I went back to my Proctor days, I really disliked how, and Proctor is a great training guy, don't get me wrong, but how the brand manager would have the first cut and would cut a lot of the ideas. And then the director would have the second cut and meeting and cut a lot of the ideas. And by the time you got to your most senior people that had seen the most amount of creative and had the best judgment, a ton of ideas were on the cutting room floor. And you never got to see those ideas. And I thought, this process is probably inefficient for everyone. And I have my best players not playing in it till the late innings. And so um, I, 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 I went way more towards the tissue thing where everyone can kind of talk about the idea before they get fully invested. And that that way we all knew what kind of the next round was going to look at. And then we could shoot the stuff that didn't work in a way that no one felt 
personally invested um because because i hate the buy sell deal in agency presentations where you you all have to come in you have to sell something because we're out of time and and then the company has to buy it and then i i felt that got in the way of the trade-offs so so i appreciate you saying that about me and we'll have you back on the show um but I, but but uh, now that let's go to the other side of this um you know you've seen a lot of clients without naming names unless you want to because of course you can name names uh tell us some things you would tell cmos to watch out for that they don't do that really hurts the the, the final creative well i'm going to say the the thing you mentioned where different layers make decisions i think is a huge one i think because inevitably each layer is taking out something that they think oh that is more controversial but controversial also can be more interesting. So by the time it gets to the decision maker, it can be pretty boring. And it's probably why a lot of the stuff that we see on TV all the time or wherever else we're looking at stuff is pretty boring because it just gets filtered through. It's almost like a series of filters that take out anything that isn't, uh, you know, I, I, look, I, I agree with that. I think what I will I will say is democracy is a great thing, except when you're voting on creative, because democracy will stand off every edge and every unique thing on creative, because the more voters you get, the more edges they will stand down. Um, but but a lot of times if you're the CMO and you don't have the right decision power, a lot of people are going to assert themselves in the process. How do you as a creative manage that? And then how would you tell Ask what do, you, what do you ask your client services team to do? And then what would you tell CMOs to do to fix that problem? Because I think everyone will agree this is a problem. Like, what's the best way to do it? Well, I'll, I'll give you a couple answers. For, the first one is um, to keep, to not have too many things you're trying to say. You know, if you say one thing, if you have a very focused brief, it's the work is going to be better. So I think it starts at the brief stage with that. And one of the thing that, things that happens during the process, not just in the approval process, but just people start wanting more and more things in a given piece of communication. So they start to want, you know, yeah, I know we want the really big brand thing, but we also, you know, we think we need to show how it works. We need to show, give to show the deal we have on it. We need to do this and that. The more stuff you try and fit into something, the worse it gets. And, and that, that is a big uh, part of it. I think, um, you know, if you can get everybody, the more of the decision makers you can get into the room at a given time, the better. I think that that and having those kinds of honest discussions about things and why you did things, it's just a lot better um, than if you uh, do it in layers because that just it dilutes things. And um, yeah, that, that would be probably the biggest thing. I mean, personally, I've dealt with some, you know, I have dealt with some clients who, I mean. Tell us a story here, Pat. I know you want to. <laughs> well, I can give you a couple um, different ones. There was The worst one of all was a, there was a new business um, meeting where we made it to the finals. Um, and so we went to this um, headquarters of this pretty big brand. 
and we went in to do our presentation. We had video, we had everything. And the um, CMO didn't even come in the room. The other people were in there and just kind of tried to keep us busy. And we found out afterwards, well, he'd already decided on another agency. Wow. For whatever reason. So here we were. I've had that happen in different ways a couple times. And that was um, pretty incredible, you know, that, um, yeah. That, that well, we that's, a, that's a, we, I, one of the other podcasts is uh, how to do an RFP without crushing the soul of your agencies. And that, that sounds like a soul crusher. Um, have you ever, when you get to the, when you're having an argument with the company about the creative, have you ever just said, no, we're just not going to do that. If you want to do this creative, we're going to go back to the drawing board because you're just putting too much stuff in this. Yeah. Yeah. How does that go over? Like, how do you manage that? It's really hard. You know, you, you ha I, I would try and do that. I mean, I try and be pretty as you probably to a fault diplomatic, you know, but that, um, that's something that uh, it does not go over that well, but you just, you know, you have to tell them, look, I see that you want to say all these different things. This particular concept is not going to do that for you. Well, let us go back and think about it. So that's how I would say it. Nice. All right, Pat, if you can, any, I, I know you have a million hilarious stories, some of which I know you can't tell. But there's probably some you can. Any hilarious or funny creative story you wish to share with our listeners? Well, you asked um, about stories with presentations that yeah. went awry. Um, and I can tell you, and were you were you at Farmers when the uh, fire hydrant uh, situation? I was, I, I was not. I, so I'm going to hear this for the first time. Okay. So. Remember, farmers had the um, headquarters on Wilshire Boulevard. Yes, and so you know it was a big, old, very conservative. Old. It was super old. Yeah, yeah. And so there was a big presentation that we were having there. And um, see, it's funny. I thought you were okay. Anyway, or maybe it, maybe you hid the fire hydrant from me. I don't know. So go on. I don't, the fire hydrant. So. We were up in the meeting, and the, the conference room had a window that was over Wilshire Boulevard on that other street that was on. And we heard kind of a, a loud banging kind of accident sound. So everybody goes to the window to look out, and a car had hit a fire hydrant. And the water was up going in the air 20 feet, not an exaggeration. Water was going up in the air. <laughs> Hard hit fire, and we're all laughing because you know we're thinking to ourselves, you know, insurance, we're here, farm, this is fun, you know, maybe we'll turn this into a spot. And so, um, you know, <laughs> meanwhile, there's a certain senior account guy that we're going, um, where's he? Huh. It's late for the meeting, yeah, well, that's weird. And then, so after that, we all, um, heard, you know, when he showed up, we could hear the. <laughs> of, of wet shoes <laughs> and so we Pat, knew... i'm just telling i'm just telling you i would have remembered that and i won't <laughs> do any names because i would remember who the senior account guy was but if someone ran over a fire hydrant we all looked down and came in with wet shoes i would remember this so i was not there but i think that is that is a pretty good story 
any other uh, any other story you want to share? Um, give me a category and I will share. I will tell you. <laughs> I, 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 will, I will not give you. <laughs> I, please put your answer in a question form. No categories. I, I will change the topic and say, all right, Pat, as we get to the close of the show, you, you're talking to all these marketers and advertising people out there. What advice, what practical advice that you haven't given so far would you give our listeners about managing the creative process? Fire your agency. <laughs> All right, Pat. Very funny. All right, keep going. Um, well, think, fire your agency and hire RPA. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that second part. Um, I, uh, I think that I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I saw your other show and you talked about measurement and how was that killing the process? Yeah. And I would say um, in some ways, the conservative people are making are so worried about the decisions they're making. They're so conservative about them and they're doing things that they think are so safe. But that they're really. I mean, here you know, at night, these same people are reading books about um, creativity and thinking outside the box and then doing that. And then when they see work from an agency, they're choosing the most conservative, middle of the road kind of thing because the um, pressure is on them, right? And they, they know that. But the way to succeed is to choose the opposite. It's the hardest thing to do. But in my experience, you know, when clients have chosen something that does take some type of a risk, I mean, it's calculated, they've been happy they've done it. I mean, the most dangerous thing you can do is stay right in the middle, right? Because why are you spending all that money then? I think this is a super point. And uh, I'm, I'm, tell me if I distill this correctly, which is, your creative is your offense. And if you're just going to run the ball all day, you really got to rethink how much you're going to score with that. Um, and, and you have to take some risks and, and push, push things downfield a little more aggressively and be willing to be wrong a little bit, or you're going to be really unnoticed because the average consumer gets four to 10,000 things pushed at them a day. And if you think you have something interesting, you better say it. And you better say it really clearly or that consumer will not hear it because they have so many things coming at them. And I think that is, is super good advice. And if I have that wrong, you should stop me right now. No, that's absolutely it. The only thing I would say is, you know, you, um, you know, if you're even if you are running the ball, yeah. you have to um, run that. You have to at a certain point fake the run when all linebackers are up and throw the ball. And so that's something you, there are times when you just have to take those kinds of risks. And sometimes, you know, in hindsight, they don't even look like risks. Sometimes they're yeah. pretty small. The second piece of advice I would I would give is um, the internal audiences are get tired of a campaign before consumers even know it exists. Yeah, I and agree. That's the hardest thing sometimes to do. Because it's always easy to come in and change everything or do whatever or, you know, yeah, we're going to change that. It, it, but you have to be really careful because just as something is starting to get noticed, you know, if we would have changed our campaign, the one that, that you and I worked on, well, it probably wouldn't have 
they wouldn't have been humming the jingle on the Academy Awards. They wouldn't have been doing all that stuff, right? But um, we stuck with it, and that was uh, that helped us out a lot. All right. Well, thank you, Pat, and thanks everyone for listening to CMO Confidential. Look for any of other our other shows, which include what your agency wants to tell you but won't, why the short shelf life of CMOs parts one and two, and as Pat mentioned, marketing's obsession with measurement will it destroy the functions and also. Is the CMO job headed for extinction? So thank you, Pat, for coming. And all you marketers, thanks for listening. Stay safe out there. This is Mike Linton signing off for CMO Confidential. Great careers are forged out of great relationships. Your success, whatever your field, relies and thrives on the support and insights of others. I'm Andy Lapata, an author and speaker on the power of professional relationships. In the Connected Leadership podcast, I have the privilege of interviewing people from around the world to understand the relationships that have made a difference on their journey and how their insights can help you. From Nobel Prize winners to Olympians, from NASA astronauts to peace campaigners, my guests have shared some captivating moments from their lives and careers. Combined with experts from leading universities, cutting-edge authors and giants of business, the Connected Leadership Podcast aims to inspire, educate and entertain. Hi, my name is Sara, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.